Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, Wives and Husbands, Part 2. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Welcome to our extended summer series titled, What We Need to Know or Reaffirm. Our summer series is sourced in 1st and 2nd Peter. Last week, in our episode titled, Wives and Husbands, Part 1, September 26th, we examined 1st Peter, Chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Peter spoke about wives being submissive to their husbands. However, his words have been taken out of context with regard to the full meaning of what he said. Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31, speaks of a woman. It speaks of the many things such a woman does regardless of the time one lives in. She is strong and very capable. These are things Peter had as knowledge in his mind and heart. Remember, Peter's writings predate the New Testament in its entirety. That being the case, what was Peter really saying in this first portion of his scripture writing? First, let us look at the meaning of the word master. As used here in Scripture, it means the man who serves as the head of a household, a respectful term of address, especially as used by disciples when addressing or referring to a religious teacher. No matter what dictionary one uses, the meaning, the man who serves as the head of household, is the only definition for a man of a married couple in the home. The full meaning of the word master is quite extensive and diverse. Everything from people to sound recordings. It does also refer to a definition of a human master of slaves. However, is that really what Peter is talking about? Is that how men should treat their wives? While strong words like these are used in the days of Peter, their vocabulary was far more limited than ours today. That is the one thing we always need to keep in mind when reading Scripture so we do not interpret Scripture in a way that is inconsistent with what Scripture is actually saying. We also need to better understand the meaning of the word subjection as used here in Peter's writings. First, let us review Scripture. There were holy women long ago who trusted in God. They made themselves nice in this way. They obeyed their husbands. Sarah obeyed Abraham. She called him her master. Sarah obeyed Abraham. You are her children if you do what is right and are not afraid of trouble. Husbands, also. Live with your wife the way you know is right. Respect her because she is a woman. She is not as strong as a man. 
Also respect her because God has given her, as well as you, the blessing of life. In this way, you will not stop God from doing what you ask him to do. From the Bible in Worldwide English Now, the word meaning, the definition of subjection is, when used here in the Bible in this way, means relationship a state involving mutual dealings between people or parties or countries. Here, Scripture concerns this meaning only with regard to people, mainly husband and wife. We should also know that men are to care for women. Women are deemed weak because Eve sinned first. By this action, even though Adam sinned also, Men are deemed, even by God, as stronger, referring more to stronger spiritually than of physical and emotional strength. Given that Adam also sinned, it means we men are not much stronger than women even if we try to portray a higher degree of dominion over them. Remember also, verse 7, which says in the first sentence, Husbands in the same way treat your wives with consideration as the weaker partners and show them honor of what? Fellow heirs of the grace of life. Or, in other words, no difference with regard to priority as being heirs of the grace of life. This is an equal platform men and women stand on. So, how do we men exemplify to our women a state of mutual dealings between us both, men and women? Women who are fellow heirs of the grace of life, of whom we are to show them honor. What in the world does that mean? That sounds like women are on a very near equal footing when we read that. In fact, they are. The fact women sinned first, Eve, is why they are on a slightly lesser stature than men, since Adam also sinned, yet at the beckoning of Eve. Digging Deeper Starting in verse 5, we read, For in the same way the holy women who hoped in God long ago adorned themselves by being subject to their husbands. Commentary gives us some insight here. It reads, From the example of holy women in general under the Old Testament, whose praise is in the Scripture, not for the external adorning of the body, but for their pledging of faith as a marriage contract and trust in God and their subjection paid to their own husbands. From Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. At the very least, the implication here is a woman's subjection was an act of free will and not of a husband's wants, desires, 
or demands of subordinate slavish servitude. The perceived distance between men and women is far shorter than most men would like to think it actually is. Scripture and commentary is telling us that this perceived distance is far shorter than many men perceive it to be or want it to really be. To make a better point, God and a wife are the two most important people in a man's life. God and a husband are the two most important men in a woman's life. She therefore pledges of her own free will a form of human faith to her husband of whom she is in a marriage contract with and a deeper spiritual faith and servitude to God her Heavenly Father. Remember, the pledging of faith is a similar contract to that of marriage. One's faith and servitude to God is above the marriage level of commitment, husband to wife, and wife to husband. Now, notice, it will rarely be found that women who are fond of dress and extravagant in it have any subjection to their husbands but what comes from mere necessity. Indeed, their dress, which they intend as an attractive to the eyes of others, is a sufficient proof that they have neither love nor respect for their own husbands. From Adam Clark's 1810-1825 Commentary and Critical Notes on the Bible As Adam Clark just explained, it is women that dress and act more attractive to other men. It is inappropriate for a married woman to look as if she is want of a man to be with her. This is why women who are married are spoken of by Peter. His writing here states that married women should have a more subdued appearance, at the very least, when compared to single women. With that, how does this relate to subjection? In subjection, their ornament consisted in their subordination. Vanity was forbidden as being contrary to female subjection. From Robert Jameson, A. R. Fawcett, and David Brown Commentary, Critical and Explanatory on the Whole Bible, 1871. That provides a bit more insight. Notice that Commentary said, referring to a married woman, their ornament consisted in their subordination, meaning a wife that was subordinate to her husband, as Eve had to be to Adam before and after their fall, is where men and women should be today. This does not mean that women cannot excel in the things they do well. It does not mean that she is to be dull and mindless. Eve was made from Adam by God. This is what makes her subjection to Adam a very real thing. Eve sinning first only deepened female subjection to men, even though, and notice this, Wives should be subject to their husbands, not from dread and amazement, but from desire to do well and please who? To do well and please God. 
the husband's duty to the wife implies giving due respect unto her and maintaining her authority, protecting her, and placing trust in her. They are heirs together of all the blessings of this life and that which is to come, and should live peaceably one with another. Prayer sweetens this converse, and it is not enough that they pray with the family, but husband and wife together by themselves, and with their children. Those who are acquainted with prayer find such unspeakable sweetness in it that they will not be hindered therein. From Matthew Henry's Concise Commentary on the Whole Bible, Public Domain. Notice the first sentence from Matthew Henry. He said, Wives should be subject to their husbands, not from dread and amazement, but from desire to do well and please God. Let us break that down. 1. Wives should be subject to their husband. 2. Not from dread and amazement. Today we might say that this way, not from fear and rule. And 3. From a desire to do well and please God. It is clear, both in scripture and in commentary, that wives should be subject to their husbands, meaning the husband has the final say in matters. Husband and wife should talk many things over among the two of them to arrive at a common foundation of thought in any matter of discussion. Many things in marriage are not simply male or female in regard to what is necessary for a solution or outcome. The final decision is one based in a mutual thought process of working out what works best for the husband and wife derived from a collaborative process. Only when something must be done, when the husband and wife cannot find agreement, is it the biblical responsibility of the husband to take charge and present a plan forward. Hopefully, the husband, in this circumstance, has wisdom from God to make a good choice for both him, his wife, and children they may have. Notice, also, the adorning of those holy women who trusted in God and therefore did not act thus from servile fear was their meek subjection to their husbands, their quiet spirit, not afraid or amazed, and their unblameable behavior doing all things well. From John Wesley's Notes on the Bible. When one is amazed, it is because of being overwhelmed with surprise or sudden wonder to astonish greatly. However, the word meaning here does not work. Amazed also means to bewilder and perplex. From the Free Dictionary by Farlex. Let us see if that fits. The adorning of those holy women who trusted in God and therefore did not act thus from servile fear was their meek subjection to their husbands, 
their quiet spirit, not afraid or bewildered or perplexed, and their unblameable behavior, doing all things well. That is the right meaning of the word amazed. Here are other meanings for the word amazed for clarity. Befuddle, confound, confuse, discombobulate, fox, bedevil, fuddle. So we do have the right meaning for the word amazed and how it is used. Moving forward, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose children you became, doing good and fearing no terror. From Green's literal translation. Notice, we are children of Abraham and Sarah in some way. We do good and fear no terror. Why? This passage does not prove that the term Lord should be the particular appellation by which Christian wives should address their husbands now, but it proves that there should be the same respect and deference which was implied by its use in patriarchal times. The welfare of society and the happiness of individuals are not diminished by showing proper respect for all classes of persons in the various relations of life. From Barnes' New Testament Notes Barnes' New Testament Notes said three very important things. One, this passage does not prove that the term Lord, or in this case Master, should be the particular appellation by which Christian wives should address their husbands now. Typically, today, a husband and wife address each other with affectionate names like honey, love, and so forth, or by first name or nickname. Today, this affectionately replaces the much older appellation of Lord or Master, both expressed in lowercase verbally or in writings. 2. It proves that there should be the same respect and deference which was applied by the use of Lord or Master in patriarchal times. While the aforementioned names for modern addressing of a spouse, male or female, are fine in modern times, the same degree of respect afforded husbands in biblical times should also be afforded husbands of today. The same with wives. A husband should also have a loving and caring respect toward his wife so she can become what God has meant her to be. The same is true of wives to husbands. And three, the welfare of society and the happiness of individuals are not diminished by showing proper respect for all classes of persons in the various relations of life. Herein is the greater application of this lesson. This expands outside of all marriages to all the people we come in contact with, of whom we do not know well. It also expands to all those we interact with, both at work and with others along the daily course of our lives, every day. While the center of this examination is husband and wife, it does have a farther-reaching application into all the lives 
of both men and women we all do know, do not know, and or associate with daily. This is where our living testimony is found. Have you ever heard of a living testimony? Yes, we all have a verbal testimony to others. However, we all have a living testimony as well. How we live is just as important as what we say. As witnessing goes in America, at least, onlookers base their judgment of what we tell them by how we act. If we are not also a living testimony to those who see us, how does that support our spoken testimony that can be at odds with what we say and how we act? If the two are dissimilar, different than the other, people think we do not really mean what we say because we are not living what we say they need in their life. We are not believed for this one reason alone. Not living what we say to others presents a meaningless testimony to them. I say you need electricity to light and power your home, but I have never used it myself. How credible would you consider my words to you if I speak of electricity and all the wonderful things it brings to life if I have never used it? How would you find the basis for believing me if I am not speaking from experience? How would I know myself except by reading up on electricity? Knowledge of electricity and knowledge gained from using electricity are two very different paths of understanding what electricity can do that is good for people. Which person would you be likely to believe? Someone who knows about electricity or someone who has actually used electricity and speaks knowledge from experience? I do not use something like electricity because someone tells me of it and how great it is supposed to be. I switch to using electricity because of what other users of electricity tell me of their happiness they get from using it themselves. Therefore, how can I witness of the salvation of Christ if my outward living, seen by others, does not match what I say? That mismatch tells others I most likely do not know what I am talking about. While we have derived a fair amount of knowledge for men, this passage has been mostly directed to women. However, now, notice this in verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, treat your wives with consideration as the weaker partners and show them honor as fellow heirs of the grace of life. In this way, nothing will hinder your prayers. We did touch on this earlier, but we need to look at it a bit closer in closing. It was an important advance made in society when the Christian religion gave such a direction as this for everywhere among the heathen and under all false systems of religion. Woman has been regarded as worthy of little honor or respect. She has been considered as a slave 
or as a mere instrument to gratify the passions of man. It is one of the elementary doctrines of Christianity, however, that woman is to be treated with respect, and one of the first and most marked effects of religion on society is to elevate the wife to a condition in which she will be worthy of esteem. The particular reasons for the honor which husbands are directed to show to their wives, here specified, are two. She is to be treated with the special kindness of being more feeble than man, and as having a claim, therefore, to delicate attention, and she is to be honored as the equal heir of the grace of life. It was an important advance made in society when the Christian religion gave such a direction as this. For everywhere among the heathen, and under all false systems of religion, woman has been regarded as worthy of little honor or respect. She has been considered as a slave or as a mere instrument to elevate the wife to a condition in which she will be worthy of esteem. The reason here assigned for the honor that was to be shown to the wife is that she is the weaker vessel. By this it is not necessarily meant that she is of feeble capacity or inferior mental endowments. She may have mental endowments equal to his own. She may have moral qualities in every way superior to his. They were equal heirs of the everlasting inheritance called in the scripture life, and the same grace connected with that inheritance had been conferred on both. This passage contains a very important truth in regard to the female sex. Under every other system of religion but the Christian system, woman has been regarded as in every way inferior to man. Christianity teaches that, in respect to her highest interests, the interests of religion, she is every way his equal. Did you hear that? Christianity teaches that, in respect to her highest interests, the interests of religion, she is every way his equal. She is entitled to all the hopes and promises which religion imparts. She is redeemed as he is. She is addressed in the same language of tender invitation. She has the same privileges and comforts which religion imparts here, and she will be elevated to the same rank and privileges in heaven. This single truth would raise the female sex everywhere from degradation and check at once half the social evils of the race. Make her the equal of man in the hope of heaven, and at once she raises to her appropriate place. From Barnes' New Testament Notes I think that says all that needs to be said. Women in various jobs here in America, previously held only by men, 
are slowly changing to be more open to women. God's people, as we have seen here, should be leading this change within the church body itself at the very least. After all, Acts chapter 2, verses 16 through 18 reads, But this is what was spoken about through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it will be, God says, that I will pour out my Spirit on all people, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Peter is quoting Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 29, which also reads, After all of this I will pour out my Spirit on all kinds of people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your elderly will have revelatory dreams. Your young men will see prophetic visions. Even on male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. What makes a woman subservient to her husband, or in subjection to her husband, in that? Next week, our episode is titled, Suffering for Doing Good, Part 1. We will examine First Peter to understand why one has to suffer for doing good. That seems to be a conflicting statement. Next week, we will start to sort this out. Play or download next week's episode from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation free version. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled Introduction About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, our vision, our ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on, 
If you would rather search for us, please use the search phrase, Church of the Un, insert dash symbol, Churched, to find us on a podcast platform you like. Note, please use the dash symbol and not the word dash when you search for us. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now, may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.